Grab your popcorn and snacks. Find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Good evening, everybody. How's everybody doing? Monday, start of another week. Yikes. It's going fast though. I have a friend that I have a friend that's turning 30 this week, and I was laughing at her because I said, Well, you know, once you hit 30, everything goes fast forward. Next thing you know, you're 40, 50, blah, blah. Then I wish her a happy birthday. Anyway, welcome. My name is Charlotte. I'm going to be your host for the next hour. I'm also the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team based out of Sacramento, California. We're 45 strong up and down the state. And uh, that means that we can get to you. If you there's a problem, paranormal problem, we're able to get to you because you know, I've got people everywhere. So if you do need help, check us out on Facebook. Check us out on Twitter. Check us out on TikTok. Check us out on, uh, where else? Oh, Instagram. I'm under Ghosty Gal on Instagram. Tonight, if you're watching and you enjoy the shows also, that's a reminder, uh, we're looking for followers. So if you're watching from TikTok, uh, please follow at California Haunts. If you're watching from uh, Facebook, please follow. And if you're watching from Instagram, if you get the chance to, or you are over on Instagram, I'm Ghosty Gal. So, uh, like I said, we're looking for followers. That's if you like what you see. And you know what? If you don't like what you see, send our name out elsewhere. Use your enemies. We're equal opportunity here. We're just trying to get our name out there, right? We're just trying to get our name out here. Tonight's show is different. You guys know I like to do different because being a journalist and a photojournalist, I I don't want to always do paranormal topics. I want to do other things that matter. And I think this the tonight's show matters. When I was a kid, the bees love me and I would go on picnics with my mom and dad and it didn't matter where I was. I mean, I could be sitting like at this picnic table, just munching on some sandwich. And if there was a bee within two blocks of me, that sucker would find me. And so my mom and dad would always get disgusted because we could never sit calmly and, and have picnics or anything because the bees were always coming to me. It was probably something in my blood, who knows, but I was always, super paranoid about bees growing up but you know as i got older it wasn't as bad a deal because i mean i have them in my backyard now they hang out of my my water fountain because they're looking for water or they're, or they're collecting pollen on, on my lemon tree okay but those are the night those are the nice bees right we're talking we're talking the honey bees and we're talking the the pollen bees and all that stuff there's another type of bee and I've known about it for a long time, and I've been monitoring these bees over the as far as long as I can remember because of my paranoia with bees. Anyway, I'm monitoring these bees. You know, I was born in '65. So you can tell, tell how old I am, and I remember the stories of of, of these bees. And uh, I'm on TikTok like everybody else, and I happen to be cruising TikTok at my feed, and lo and behold, I find the killer bee guy. And that's our guest tonight is Reed Booth, the killer bee guy. He is the killer bee expert. And I've been watching his lives for about four or five months, you know, about these bees. And it's incredible. And people don't realize how quickly they're moving across the U.S. Started in Brazil, okay? But as like Reed puts it, they're in the lower 48 states. So they're just about everywhere. And people aren't expecting this you know they're not like a typical they're not a regular bee they're there's something they're a totally different animal 
but better than me telling you I want to have retail you. But I mean, it, it's terrifying. They take out horses, they take out dogs, they take out people, and they're nasty. All right. I know um, about a couple of years ago, ironically, the exterminator was here doing extermination stuff, and I happened to walk by my car and got nailed by a wasp right in the side of my face. Luckily, I didn't blow up or anything with it, but like I said, there's still I still get attraction with that stuff. So anyway, let me get Reed on so I don't like muck this up, and uh, we can talk to him about these things because he, he deals with them every day. He's on call. He's in Arizona. He's on call, and, he, and you see him go out to these sites, and I did take a, few, a couple photos off his website to show you guys exactly how these things swarm because Reed, can, Reed, Reed, Reed's the man, so let's just do this. Hello, sir. Hey, how are you doing? Can you hear me? Uh, yeah, I can hear you. Awesome. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much for uh, having me on with this uh, pertinent subject. Tell me about you. How did you get involved with trying to deal with these bees? Well, um, it all started many years ago now, uh, I, I'm a, I'm a home brewer and a mead maker, which is honey wine horse. Uh -huh. And many years ago in the late eighties, actually, I had uh, beehives here. I'm located in Bisbee, Arizona. We're in Cochise County. It's the wild west. Literally. We're down here on the border with old Mexico and new Mexico right down here in the corner. And, uh, I'm a mead maker. And, Way back in the day, I thought, oh, wouldn't it be all romantic if I had my own bees and got my own honey and made my own mead and never leave the house? And a good friend called me up uh, and said, uh, I got a gunny sack full of bees for you. And I went, bah, bah. I didn't know anything about it, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, that was pretty much how it started. Uh, she had a bee suit for me, and an old timer gave me a couple of uh, bee boxes. And, of course, back then, they were European bees. They were the nice bees, right? And uh, so I started keeping bees. And I had right here uh, by the tunnel in Bisbee, I had 20, 30 hives. I can't even remember. It's been so many years. And then things changed. And how, how, tell me how they changed. I mean, how, how can you tell the difference between Africanized bee and a European honeybee? Well, that's part of the problem. You can't. It's a real issue, actually, especially with beekeepers. So what changed was in the early 90s, uh, technically 1993, the African uh, African eyes bee came across the border here in uh, Arizona and really quickly took over uh, the all of the European hives. Uh, two ways to do that. And yes, we can see a, a picture. Now they are a honeybee. And they look like a honeybee, just like you see there. You can't tell by looking at them. They are genetically different, but you can't tell by looking. And uh, I, so they, they came across the border here in Arizona and quickly took over all of the European hives, whether they were uh, managed or feral. Okay, feral, unmanaged hives, like hives living under your shed or in an old tire in the backyard or whatever, as opposed to your hives that you have in bee boxes, which they also take over. Uh -huh. uh, they they quickly took over, which unfortunately they are doing now in all of the lower 48 states. It's a pain in the ass or wherever they happen to get you. 
they they wherever they are, they are superior to the European bee, which was the primary reason they were created in the first place. Right, because weren't they created to produce more honey? Is that is that what it was? Purely, purely financial, purely. The um, yeah, the, in Brazil, uh-huh. about 1957. Okay, Brazil was an insignificant producer of honey back in the day. Two reasons. European bees are very sickly in jungle conditions, or at all, actually, and they didn't they didn't make as much honey. Now, the African bee, the pure African bee, was known to be an excellent producer of honey and super disease resistant. So they thought, well, what the hell? We crossbreed them. I mean, we do it to dogs and cats all the time and cows and horses and everything else. Maybe we'll crossbreed these. They come up with a superior bee. Uh-huh. Well, they did in every respect, not just disease resistant, make twice as much honey. They are a super bee, but they defend the hive to the nth degree. That's our issue. Of course, they didn't know that when they crossbred them, right? right. So they came up with a superior bee for sure. In fact, now Brazil is fifth worldwide in honey production due to Africanization. Nice. But they're absolutely nice. meaner and meaner and well. How did they get loose? I mean, did, did, did somebody let them loose, or, or, or nobody really knows how they got loose? Okay. <laughs> the inside story on this, my understanding, is that uh, the doctor, Dr. Warwick Kerr, he was a very responsible scientist. He had them in uh, a you know, controlled experiment situation for crossbreeding of these insects, European mm-hmm. bee with African bee to make Africanized bee. And on that note, the reason they're called Africanized bees is, first of all, the experimental bee, the purebred bee, came from Africa. Whereas European bees, there are many different types of European bees, Italians, Granolians, Russians, Germans, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So they're a mutt. So the crossbreed is Africanized also because the uh, the genes, the genetic makeup of 96 to 98% of the genes of the African eyes are African. But it's just that little bit that throws a wrench in the whole damn works, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, the the whole story is, is that the good doctor went on a, uh, some sort of a a, a conference in Sao Paulo or something like that. And a new guy uh, saw that there were screens on the entrances to the hives. Now, why would we do that? Well, there's a main reason if you are trying to keep your bees from swarming, which is nature's way of propagating the area with bees. So you can clip the your queen's wings. You can put a screen at the entrance that is just small enough so she can't wriggle through it, but everybody else can, uh-huh. although they have to wriggle through it because uh-huh. she's slightly bigger. So this guy took a look at those hives and saw, oh, those bees are having trouble getting through it all. And he pulled the screens off and they escaped. And I have a job. Obviously, obviously. When did you decide to start um, eradicating them or, you know, to, taking care of them? So well, it, was, it was right away. I mean, as a beekeeper back in the day, back in the late 80s, early 90s, um, I, of course, you know, I would go get swarms free, of course, because we wanted them. We wanted to perpetuate them. We wanted those nice bees. They were so gentle, and they gave us honey. Oh, boy, oh, boy, you know. And 
it was kind of a natural segue um, because when when my bees started going rogue uh, right here at the tunnel, I, I, in the mid-90s, I used to watch clouds of my bees chase cars down Highway 80. Holy wow. shit, you know. And that was after they became Africanized. So I was like, well, maybe I shouldn't be doing that anymore. And uh, then I started getting calls from all the ranchers and cowboys out here and shit. And, and they uh, they were all like, you know, those bees been in that shed for 60 years. And now they're stinging the cows and the horses and me. What the hell? And I would explain the situation. And they say, well, come and get the damn things. And so I'd go tear out a wall. And there'd be 500 pounds of comb in there. Wow. So... I uh, kind of stopped keeping bees, reliably, and just a royal pain in the ass. And uh, now I take the money and the honey, literally. Is that the thing with these? Is that they swarm when they attack? Well, the other, they didn't used to. No. Right. The, the, okay. When people say when people say bees swarmed me, that's actually not the correct terminology. Okay. All right. They attack me. Yes. Yes, swarming is nature's way of propagating the area with bees. So you've got your hive. Now, an average hive has 50,000 bees in it. There you go. Yeah, that's a perfect example, actually. So uh, 10 or 20% of those bees take off and go find a new place to live. You still have your hive. Uh -huh. That European bees used to do that five or six times a year. Africanized, up to 30 times per hive per year. So they divide and conquer at a rate that is absolutely off the chain. And they are tough as nails. They are actually, they swarm year round here in Southern Arizona. Now everybody thinks, well, Southern Arizona, all sand dunes at 100 degrees all the time. Right. No, it's not. Right now it's about 40 degrees out and uh, it freezes every night in the winter here where I am. And in a lot of, uh, a lot of Arizona actually. So, um, Nature's way of propagating the air with these is swarming. And that is another way that they your nice European hive can get taken over by an Africanized hive. This is I mean this this is incredibly fascinating. And um yeah. it's just a, I mean I've heard stories like you know, I'm in Northern California, but I've heard stories down in Los Angeles where where there's been attacks with these things. Now I haven't heard any stories about Northern California yet, but I'm sure they're up here. Yes, yes, they are. We did a live stream. Uh, we we live stream on TikTok, as you know, Charlotte, and right. uh, a lot of people do out there. Um, we had a Q and A, and we had someone come on with comments on to uh, from Billings, Montana, and they said, uh, "Yeah, they're here. They're in Billings." And then right after that, we had someone from Illinois, a beekeeper, come on and say they are wreaking havoc with small beekeepers and honey production in Illinois. So they're there, and this is why it's so pertinent. What I've been doing for 30 years, they are now, they've adapted. They adapt to clients. They adapt to changes that European bees never, ever would. This is what's so weird about these dams is for hundreds of years, even thousands of years, we knew what to expect as humans from our European honeybees. Right. We, every decade in, decade out, century in, century out, see, hey, same shit every year. It was awesome. Then with the crossbreed, now everything's out the window. At They operate at lower temperatures. They attack at lower temperatures. They pollinate better, actually, which is great for uh, the big beekeepers. 
but horrible for native pollinators. And we'll go into that later. Sure. So uh, they're, they're in all the lower 48 states now. And boy, do I catch a lot of growth and a lot of shit from beekeepers, I'll tell you, because I'm, I'm Satan, you know, because I'm killing bees. And I'm, right. I'm just telling the truth. That's all I am. I don't give a shit. It's like, here's what's happening. And it's horrifying, actually. It really is, you know. So, I'm just, you know, as you know, Charlotte, we're we're just irreverent as hell. We don't care. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're, well, we're I mean, doing battle with these little bastards. I mean, it's horrible. Um, because I I can think. I mean, I'm one of these people. <laughs> it's funny in the morning, if I have a wasp nest or something that's out there, I don't go out there till like 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 six in the morning when it's cold, you know. And then when I go out, I see how you guys dress. I mean, you guys are duct tape and your bee suits and all this. I go out to kill a wasp nest and I've got like three ski masks on. You know, I've got a ski, I got the <laughs> ski jacket I can find. I've got I've got like like three levels of sweats, you know, and I've got my spray and I'm off there spraying. I have seen the damnedest homemade bee suits. Oh my God. Because here in Cochise County, this is the wild west, literally. Yeah. I mean a lot of ranchers and cowboys and everybody can pretty much do pretty much everything except this. And this is a really hard thing for me to convince these cowboys and ranchers out here. It used to be hard, not anymore, mm -hmm. uh, is that this is not a rattlesnake in the driveway. Mm -hmm. You're going to lose. And so I've seen homemade bee suits. Oh, for God's sake. We're talking snorkels. We're talking uh, window screen and duct tape. I mean, everything but the little red nose and the big floppy shoes. Fucking awesome. Right. Just awesome. <laughs> And, of course, everybody got stung up and almost died. So what are yeah, you going to, so you know, don't try this at home. Don't try this at home. Well, like I said, I used to do it in the morning when they were, do when they were like, more docile. But like you say, these things don't even care about the cold. No. They will. Are, we had a, uh, a, a stinging incident attack at 25 degrees Fahrenheit a few years back here in Cochise County. 25 degrees. And they, even if it's colder than that, yes, they are insects, but they will, the analogy that I use, and I use a lot of analogies, as you know, uh, they all turn into white blood cells when the attack pheromone goes through the hive. And it's like the ooga horn in the submarine. And they all turn into blood cells and they will fly through freezing temperatures as far as they can to try to get to you before they go, oh shit, it's cold and drop out. Right. But when you have 50,000 or 100,000 of them chasing you, you better have a vehicle close because they can fly for hundreds of feet that way. When you talk about the attack pheromones, now that that means that, 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 that they let off a certain scent that attracts other bees as well, right? That is correct. Um, now, pheromones are smells. That's all. Right? There's millions of them, right? Pheromones are smells. And they're, um, the, the one that we feared when, when dealing with these little bastards is the attack pheromone, which that's the problem. At the entrance of every hive are what are called guard bees, and their only job is to perceive a threat to the hive. Mm -hmm. Now, I say that because one minute everything's fine, and the next minute they don't like the color of your damn shirt or the weed whacker from 100 yards away. You mm -hmm. just don't know from minute to minute. To minute. So if those guard bees send that attack pheromone through the hive, push the yoga horn, or if you squish one, or if you get some by one, even accidentally, that releases the attack pheromone. And I have seen them come out of a hole like that at a thousand per second. They attack en masse. So the problem with it also is, is when we, and in fact, tomorrow, 
Uh, we're going to be live streaming. Um, we're, I'm on call, like you said at the beginning in your intro, uh, Charlotte. I'm on call, and we got a call this afternoon. We have to go up to Cochise, which north of here, about an hour and a half, still in the county. Of course, it's a huge county, the Wild West, but it's a very small county because all the ranchers and cowboys know each other, and you know I know everyone. It's very cool. But we got a call from these folks uh, that have multiple hives in a pole barn, hmm. a hay barn. And the problem with, man, we're going to be live streaming that around uh, 10 or 11, something like that, our time here. And uh, the problem with that is when you got multiple hives in a location, even though every has an enemy of every other hive, the only reason that they visit each other is to steal honey. Mm -hmm. They're Vikings. But the attack pheromone's the same. So when the ugu horn goes off, everybody gets on in the damn party. And I've seen the air so saturated with pheromone that they're attacking birds flying overhead, telephone poles, and tires on trucks. Each other, me, the it's just mayhem. It turns into total mayhem. So I really got to survey the situation tomorrow morning when we go up there and look at this. We've got cows and horses and a couple of pigs 100 yards away. Too close. I don't like that at all. Mm -hmm. um, and, of course, cool in the morning doesn't make any difference. So I've got to really assess the situation and make it the safest. It's on a ranch, of course. Uh, it just these types of things scare the hell out of me when you have possible multiple hives. I asked them how many hives, and they said we didn't get close enough. And I was like, "Good on you. <laughs> Let me do that." <laughs> you know, yeah. So nobody's been hurt yet. These people are from the county. They they live here. Uh, they they know better. They know better. And all of the ranchers and cowboys now in this county and in southern New Mexico, southern Arizona, all agree that these are the most dangerous things that we live with now, besides each other, of course. Now, when you talk about stinging, how many bees, because I've heard you say this before, what equates to a, a, a rattlesnake bite? How many stings? About 500, about 500 stings. About 500. And so the, it's kind of scary because a normal hive has 50,000 of the little bastards in it. But with Africanization, we're seeing hives, as you've seen, uh, of 100, 200, 300,000 bees. It's insane. It's just off the chain. And so 500 things, I mean, oh, you know, and that can happen. Yeah, look at that. Now, that was that was one swarm. And I've never seen anything like that in all my years. That is solid bees. There had to be millions of them there. And it's beyond me as to what caused it, where they came from. Uh, hell, of course, we know they came from hell. And these are all Africanized bees. And, of course, this video is uh, up on our YouTube channel. It's called Super Swarm Storm, mm -hmm. of course. Uh, I've never seen anything like it. Uh, we It took... It was multiple huge garbage bags, the big black garbage bags, multiples of those filled. We had to get them out of there. And, of course, no, we don't save the damn bees. Mm -hmm. That is, it would be like taking a landmine from your yard and putting it in someone else's. Hell no, we do not do that. Uh, and this is why I catch a lot of grief from beekeepers, et cetera, because I killed the bees. Well, they're all invasive, and we'll go into that in a minute. But mm -hmm. this was an anomaly, which... That's all I'm seeing with Africanized bees lately is anomalies. Mm -hmm. It's like, what the hell is that? There, people ask me how many queens in there. I, like, I'm going to go in there and count? 
you know, you got 2 million bees wanting to kill you. I'm not going to look for, you know, one or 10 or whatever the hell. It, it was, it, it, things like this are becoming, although not, not worms this big, this, I honestly have no idea what this is about or where they came from. A total anomaly. And like I say almost every day, and you'll see me say it in the bee suit while we're live streaming or, or et cetera, it's like dealing with science fiction every day. Now let's talk about real quick uh, about your bee suit because I see you guys not only donning this thing, you're also using duct tape to seal up anything that could possibly be open. Damn right. They will actually look for a hole where zippers come together. Now be aware, people that make bee suits don't make them for us. They make them for beekeepers. Right. You know, guys that go out, have a couple of hives, have 10 hives or whatever, they're not making them for Africanized uh, bees. They're, they're starting to adjust to that because there are so many stinging incidents around the country now so many small beekeepers are saying what the hell happened to my bees they're completely insane i killed the dog they drove me off whatever mm -hmm. and do not take into account africanization it's a denial of course because nobody wants to believe they can live where it's cold well mm -hmm. that's bullshit we know they can Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and you you heard me say it. I did a history show, History Channel show, Monster Quest. You remember Monster Quest? They were looking for Sasquatch and shit, and they're adorable. I told the director when he called, I said, I'm going to show you real monsters. Mm -hmm. I almost got the cameraman killed. He lived. It was fine. But anyway, um, we they, we sent, when we went to, they put me around to climates where it gets really, really cold to put me on the ground with beekeepers or exterminators to get samples of hives, elevation, 13,000 feet, whatever, 14,000 feet, uh, Flystaff, Arizona. And you'll notice every time I talk about bees, my nose gets itchy because I hate getting stung on the end of the nose and psychosomatic. But anyway, it's like, oh, little bastards. So we sent samples back to laboratories in Tucson for testing a percentage of Africanization from all of the hives that we got all over in cold climates. Well, what would you think? 50%? 75 maybe? None? Oh. Guess what? 100% of them were Africanized. No matter what type of climate, no matter how dry, how wet, how cold, made no difference. The northernmost swarm to this date was found in Alberta. Wow. See, guys, Alberta. It's through. It's all through Northern California. Yeah. I got to go through North, North Cal to get to Alberta. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah, right. Yeah, they don't skip over states. No, no. You know? They didn't go like, oh, we like Nor Northern Cal, but we don't like Oregon. No, they don't do that shit. <laughs> you know? And they also hitchhike. We're going to stop off at Sennesville, <laughs> you know? I think. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> We're staying yeah. in Sacramento to see Charlotte. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I always wonder because I know no, they that sell honey in, in the area I live in, and I'm in a real, real residential area. So I know there's hives around here somewhere. And so it makes me like I said, I see oh, you down right there. I see a lot in my on my yeah. lemon tree. I see a lot coming in for drinks, you know, on, on my fountain. But yeah. they're but but they're they're the nice bees. Yeah, you'll never guess who came to visit. <laughs> Whoops, what happened? It's a yeah, bit so guess what? Yeah. Here's one of the boss, one of the bosses. There hey, you go. Say hi. Yeah. Okay. You know, and um, the problem is, is that when they're on your fountains or whenever, uh, wherever they are, you can't tell by looking. Mm -hmm. They're Africanized. You can't tell. 
And but the good thing is at this point in time anyway, when they're on the flowers or your mountain, mm -hmm. uh, they're at the store, they're shopping, they want to get the goods and go home. It's mm -hmm. when you get too close to the entrance to their hive. Now we always say, and you've heard me say it before, if your neighbor has bees, you have bees. Right. And heaven forbid they're Africanized because they don't know fences and boundaries. And these guys will attack unprovoked, quote unquote, uh, from a hundred yards away. Wow. And also the swarming thing. If your neighbor has a hive under a shed, oh, they're just honeybees. They don't hurt anyone. They're spitting out new hives to populate the entire area with honeybees. And if there is an Africanized hive in your neighborhood, the drones are much better at catching up to the European queens, virgin queens on their mating flight. So your nice European virgin queen comes back to your nice hive, starts laying Africanized eggs, and in three weeks, your hive's gone to shit. Now, now let's talk about the eggs. How many, as a, okay, regular, how many eggs does a normal honeybee lay as opposed to an Africanized one? The Africanized does, like I was saying, everything better. Right. So a, an Africanized queen from one mating flight will lay 1,500 to 2,000 eggs every day uh -huh. for up to five years. Oh, Lord. It's insane. You could stand there and kill. Not, and this is why they are cells of an organism. People are extremely romantic about honeybees. Of course they are. You know, oh, I, I have them in my, I found them in my pool and I took about the individual bee and I, yeah, yeah, it's adorable and all that shit. Um, they are individual cells and that is how they treat each other in the hive. They don't care about each other in the hive. It's just like individual cells of our body. Every time you take a shower, you kill millions and millions of your own cells. Mm -hmm. Who gives a shit? You don't know it and they don't care and you don't care. Same thing with the beehive. All right. You've got the bees are individual cells. You could stand at the entrance to a hive, and especially an Africanized hive, and kill a thousand bees every single day and not touch that hive. Because 1,500 to 2,000 are being born every single damn day. So she is an egg-laying machine. That's all she is. She's a total slave. That's all they are. They're all cells of that organism. That's all any, all of them are. It's fascinating shit. It is, and it sounds like, too, and I'm not trying to spread misinformation or anything like that, but it sounds like at some point... The, the the European honeybee is not going to be here anymore. I mean, it sounds like these things are, are reproducing at such a rate that it's just going to overwhelm the, the, the native populations. Yeah, well, okay, a couple of things on that. Okay. Um, honeybees are not native. Okay. They are not a native population. But at the same time, you are correct, because the native pollinators are being greatly impacted by especially Africanization. And on to, back to actually, European bees are nice bees. Um, yes, it happened here in Arizona. It's happened in the, all of the Southwest where all of the unmanaged feral hives are Africanized, done deal, 100%. Mm -hmm. And it's going to happen in all of the lower 48 and apparently Canada, we don't know how far north they can go. There's got to be a point where they can't live in the tundra, for God's uh -huh. sake. Uh -huh. I think. I don't know. Um, so the problem is, is they're better at everything that they do. Wherever European bees can live, these guys can thrive. 
and do better. That was what they were bred for. That was right. the point. They just didn't know when they bred them they were going to be so damned aggressive. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Now, we talked so, about their... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, well, I was going to go on about the native pollinator thing. Want to get okay. into that? Yeah, go for it. All right. This is this is really fascinating. Um, it all is actually, but okay. Let's let's talk about European honeybees. All right. Let's say the name again: European honeybees. European honey. It's in the name. European honeybees. They're they aren't Midwestern. They aren't Alabama honeybees. You know, they're not Texas honeybees. They're European honeybees. Honeybees are invasive to the Western Hemisphere. They don't belong here. They were brought here by Europeans. Native Americans hated them so much they called them white man's flies, and that was the nice ones. Mm-hmm. People, so you know, everybody saw all the memes for years going on about, oh my God, we're going to die without honeybees. Oh, they're, they, we need them to survive. They need our planet will just kind of implode and turn into a rock without them. It's bullshit. People lived in the Western Hemisphere for eons without honeybees. No, they didn't have big agriculture like we do now, and all of the good that uh, uh, Whole Foods or Safeway or whatever you got where you are, your big grocery stores. No, of course it, that didn't happen. In fact, I had a map recently that I put up at the end of my uh, last vid that I put up just a, a couple of days ago. Uh, Camino Segundo bees. At the very end is a map of the invasion of European honeybees going from east to west uh-huh. and uh, the adits when they were coming in. So you got on the East Coast from about 1650-something like that when they were brought in by Europeans. And then, of course, it progressively gets you know, up and up into the 1700s, and then you get across the Mississippi. Did you know that there were no honeybees in the state of Arizona until the mid-1800s? I had no idea. That's interesting. Fascinating. Yeah. Even later in California. That is absolutely fascinating. So honeybees are invasive. They're invasive to the Western Hemisphere. They do not belong here. All of our native plants, whether you live up in Sacramento, down here in Busy, or in the jungles of Brazil, all of our native plants do not need honeybees for pollination. They do need our native pollinators. Just here in the desert southwest, in this northern Sonora area region, mm-hmm. We have over 1,200 different species of native pollinators, mostly solitary bees, bumblebees, a lot of wasp hornets. Some are so tiny you can barely see them, uh, but over 1,200 different species. Now, the problem with these damned Africanized, especially, although European bees are guilty also, Africanized even more because of how strong they are, how tough they are, competitive as hell, not only for food source, but living quarters. They are driving to or near extinction a lot of our native pollinators. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, now, one of the things that you know, I, I noticed you saying and answering questions during during your Q and A's um, on TikTok was the thing that you know a lot of people think that you can run and jump in water to get away from these things when they attack. What uh, well, it would be, it would be a natural response, right? Right. You know, I mean, get the hell away from them. Uh, people do not understand how vicious it is when you get attacked. The analogy heard people that. Uh, got attacked without bee suits, of course, is being on fire. 
because they're coming from every direction. They're stinging you all over your body. You cannot think. And I've watched guys run off of roofs. I've watched guys, construction workers, run in front of traffic, getting attacked by these things. Because when you get attacked, your legs don't give a shit who's above the waist. I'm out of here, right? And so um, if you jump water, the problem is, is bees attack your nose, your face, because they go for your nose and mouth because of the CO2. They attack the CO2 coming out of your nose and mouth. I've actually done experiments where I'll have a tube going from my mouth uh, in my suit down to my boot with a screen on the end so they don't, you know, fly up my into the tube. And I breathe through that inside of my suit down there, and they attack my boot because that's where the CO2 is going. Problem with jumping into water is they follow your bubbles. Every time you come up to breathe, they attack you. So about 95% of the people that jump into water get killed. Huh. What can you do? I mean, if, if, if you're... By the time you figure out they're Africanized, it seems like it's too late. Like, like if there's a hive underneath your shed and you're walking in your yard... Okay. That's what, that's what I'm asking because, yeah, I mean, by the time you no, realize I mean, what it is, what are you going to do? You know? It'd be too late. There are two primary reasons people get attacked by these damn things. One, uh, we didn't know they were there. Well, mm-hmm. okay, you got to get that. You know, it's like we're all on the lawn. happens all the time. I get calls uh, usually from a gal a couple of times a year. We'll say uh, my husband was out mowing the lawn and uh, got into a hive and he's in the hospital. Can you get out here? And I'll go out there and the riding lawnmower is still going around in circles out in the yard with nobody on it covered in bees or the weed whackers laying there brrr, covered in bees because you pull a superman when the shit happens right so two reasons one you didn't know they were there and eh, you gotta give them that then there's the other reason and this is why on my youtube channel i have a diy series right and i call it diy dumbass don't try this at home because i stir shit all all so long i get a call from goofballs and they're like well i got a sawzall and i borrowed a bee suit and i wanted to get the honey Really, which hospital are you in? You know, and so um, the second reason is that, you know, uh, then I'll get calls from somebody who'll say, you know, I got out the expanding foam tonight and thought I'd seal up that hole. Mm-hmm. How many times you get stung? Yeah, dumbass. Don't try this at home. You know, you're not going to win. And if you do, you should go buy a lottery ticket because you're damn lucky. Well, that's the thing, and you know, watching you, I was thinking of that. You know, when you do do that, and you're working with that expanding foam. I always think of the people that don't have the bee suits, and they're going to go try that. It's suicide. Oh, for God's sake! Problem, main problem is with that is bees have. It's kind of like our own homes, where we have a door that we use that we use almost all the time. Mm-hmm. Our front door, whatever the garage door, whatever. And so you use that one all the time. You have side doors. Maybe they're locked. Hopefully, they have alarms at them. Well, with uh-huh. the bees, if they have side doors, which about 90% of the hives that I deal with have a door that they're coming and going from, that's the highway from hell. They also have side doors. They don't use them, uh-huh. but they have guard bees at all of them. And so when you start screwing around with their front door, you're ringing the doorbell. This has happened so many times where some old rancher will say, I got out the expanding foam. I went to that tree. And we're coming and going from the bottom of it. And I stuck my nozzle in there and started to spray. And then I had bees pouring on my head from four foot up because there was a knot hole up there, a side door. Uh-huh. And I have seen expanding foam uh, in the limbs, on the grass, on the, on the screens, on the windows, in his hair. Because when you get attacked, 
it's just mayhem. You, you're just, it, it's insane. You know, it's like being on fire. And so uh, it always comes back to don't try this at home. Okay, <laughs> just don't try let's this. Let's talk about the expanding foam a little bit, though, because you you not only use it to block the 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 the, the holes on the bees, you're also spraying it in the air, just just randomly in the air. Why is that? Well, okay. Okay, the expanding foam I don't spin there. Okay, okay. What I do use, okay. and yeah, this uh, this this made me feel like a genius. Okay, it doesn't take much. <laughs> anyway, um, this came from when there's honey to be had, because if there's honey to be had and I spray poison around, I gotta throw it away. Uh-huh. So I got to thinking years ago. Well, I don't care if they're dead or not. I just don't want them flying around. Uh-huh. So I use a spray adhesive. Okay, that's right. It's like Elmer's in a can. Non-toxic spray adhesive. And I just spray it in the air. You can see it all over our TikTok and YouTube and Instagram and Facebook, all over our vids. I spray it in the air. Just it, it, It's only good to about six or eight inches because then the particulates dry and drop to the ground as, as non-toxic particulates. But they're sticky in the air. The uh, propellant uh-huh. takes them out. They stick the bees' wings together. They drop like rocks. And you, you can see it in all of my videos where they're completely insane. Uh, we'll just do that for maybe tips. Mm-hmm. Go through a couple of cans, knock down 20, 30,000 bees. It gets quieter and quieter and quieter. And then we can go to work. And sometimes, as you've seen, the bees are so damn vicious. Mm-hmm. We have no choice. We have to use that just so we can go to work. There are videos you'll see where all we do is put the letter up. That's it. Not do a damn thing. And they're off the chain. It's it's completely so dangerous. It's the most dangerous job you can do now. And again, to clarify for a question that came up in the chat room, you can't tell the you can't tell the difference in these bees from a regular bee. No, you cannot by looking, and that's a real pain in the ass because if you're a beekeeper and you have um, uh, your hives, and one of them becomes Africanized, mm-hmm. you don't know. Mm-hmm. You know you. You walk up, and, and we're seeing this on all of the chat rooms, uh, everything, all the social media stuff about beekeepers uh, all over the country. Now, it's like, um, I just checked this hive like a week ago, and I went out now, and they're meaner than hell. What happened? And beekeepers are always like, oh, what time of day was it? Did you do a little dance? Did you sing a little song to them? What cologne you were wearing? It's a bullshit, you know. Nobody takes into account Africanization. Uh-huh. They had better start doing it. Because these things are deadly. They've chased that fire truck. We have a truck we use, I use for bee removal. They've chased that truck for 10 miles after a bad removal. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Horrifying. So I, I heard And if you, anybody's got questions. Yeah. Right. I heard you say on a oh, show. Well, any, go ahead. Go yeah. ahead. Well, I, I was just going to say, you know, if people do have questions, of course, relay them to me because I can't see them here. So, yeah, yeah I would yeah. I love, you know, I love doing that. I heard you say on a show, too, that, you know, trying to get rid of them, if you're trying to do it yourself, I mean, you could replace the queens, but they're, they're just, so, yes. you know, it's just, yes. just so much that it's just too hard to keep replacing the queens. It's a temporary fix, and we learned that the hard way. I used to requeen, and it's where your, your hive is hot or your hive is, something's wrong with it, and uh-huh. beekeepers do this all the time especially the big boys, because they breed their queens in-house. They know exactly the genetics. They know what's 
going on with them. It doesn't mean that they're hives. If they have 10,000 hives, some are going to become right. Africanized. And, and you've heard me talk about World War B. We'll talk about that in a minute. But, um, well, actually, let's talk about World War B because it's so damn okay. interesting. Where it's it. the other it's the other way that your hive can become Africanized. Everybody thinks only the genetics, and when your queen bee goes on a mating tree, your virgin queen comes back with Africanized girls, starts laying Africanized eggs. And you don't know until you walk up and your hive is trying to kill you. The other way, this is fascinating, is you've got a neighboring Africanized stronger hive. Now, not all Dobermans are made the same. Not all Chihuahuas are going to chew on your ankles. Some will, some won't. Same thing with Africanized hives. They're Temperament is different, just like with any other individuals, because they are individuals. Mm -hmm. And so the temperament can be so different from hive to hive. So you've got a stronger Africanized neighborhood, usually within a mile radius. They will come into your uh, weaker Africanized hive or your nice European hive you've got by the garage in your box, right? And they, their only intent is to steal honey. They're total Vikings. So they will come in, and I've actually seen it with my own eyes, coolest thing. They will come in and kill all of the bees. Now, European bees are nothing for these guys. They'll wipe them out right away. A good match for them is another Africanized hive that might be tough, but they'll fight it out to the end. So they'll kill all of the bees, sting the pupae to death, sting the babies to death through the caps on the cells, and either steal all the honey and go home, or worse, move in. And then your nice hive in two or three hours is gone to shit, and you don't know it until you go out and yeah go ahead no, no no i'm just saying that's fascinating to me like you say you don't know it until you go out there to see your bees and the next thing you know they're all over you you're fucked yeah. yeah yeah they're all over you they're all over the neighbors they're all over your dog you know they once that attack pheromones in the air all bets are off It's just incredible to me. And to think that, that, that they're here. Yeah. I mean, there's no question about them not being here because they are here. It's just a question of how, you know, how long it's going to take before they completely take over. Exactly. And we're, um, it's getting uh, so that relocating bees, requeening bees back to that is a subject. It, it, because it's temporary. Mm -hmm. And that was where World War B came in. If your requeened hive, nice European hive, uh, doesn't become Africanized, now it will. And this happens all the time now here in, in Arizona where people, there's still a lot of romance about it and still want to keep honeybees. I understand it completely. I used to be the biggest bee hugger in the world. Um, and so they want to keep honeybees and all of a sudden they're stinging the horses or whoever. And so they become Africanized. Now you are, you're on to something though, Charlotte, because... It's going to happen. All of the unmanaged feral hives. Now, that, that your, your hives, you can keep European for a while, but are you going to sleep with your bees and make sure that a strong Africanized hive doesn't come in to kill them and move in? No, of course not. Most beekeepers only check on their hives maybe twice a year, maybe when they're going to feed them or rob. I mean, some people are very dedicated and will check their bees monthly. Awesome. You know, that's great. That doesn't mean they're not going to be Africanized in that time. And of course, the real problem is feral hives, unmanaged feral hives. 
because you can't, we cannot control who they mate with. Uh -huh. There is no sex in the hive. There is no mating in the hive. They have to go on a mating flight, period. And so there's no bathroom in the hive. They would rather die than shit in the hive, uh -huh. literally. And so there's no sex in the hive. And so the queen has to go on a mating flight every time. You can't control who she's going to mate with. The Africanized drones are much better at catching to her, period. And so if there is, and there is now in all the lower 48 states, Africanized hives in the neighborhood. It's just a matter of time now. I have said generously in the past 10 years before they're all Africanized. Um, I think that's being extremely generous. I do. Unfortunately, I mean, they killed a beekeeper in Connecticut. We had our northernmost stinging incident in this new United States in Manchester, New Hampshire. It, it's, it's sad, but true. There was a stinging incident. We had somebody from Brooklyn, <laughs> Brooklyn, come on our show and, and said, and was like, uh, yeah, we just had a stinging incident in Brooklyn. I was like, what the, f are you kidding me? That's, that's awesome. No, I'm just kidding. It's really too bad, but it's the way it is. So really, like like you see, like you see Brooklyn. So it really doesn't matter whether it's it's a rural area or not. I mean, they're just going to set their hives up, and that's right. it. They don't care where they live. It's the, and it's even worse with Africanization. Some of the changes, which if there are any beekeepers on watching us right now, will relate to. Now, a ball of bees hanging in a tree used to be the most benign thing in the world, the nicest thing in the world. I wouldn't wear a bee suit. I would reach my hand in the middle and where I thought the mean was, and I had her, I'd have a ball of bees on my hand, all awesome shit, you know, without a suit, without gloves, without none. And that used to be the norm. Well, not anymore. Uh, a ball of bees like this, which of size of basketball is usually about seven to 10,000 bees, killed a good friend of mine here two years ago here in Bisbee. Oh, I'm sorry. And well, now, of course, that's, that's <laughs> yeah, that's going to kill, that's going to kill a few elephants is what that's going to kill, you know. Um, so Africanized swarms being aggressive, being meaner and shit. We are getting uh, calls from ranchers and cowboys all the time during the summer now of a swarm that veered out, a swarm flying by, like a cloud of bees flying by, transition, flying by, veering off and attacking people and livestock unprovoked. Now, another thing that we've seen that's an anomaly that European bees would never do, and that is on. When bees are on a tree limb resting, they say, well, they're actually apartment hunting. Bees, these bees don't rest. Uh -huh. um, when they're on a tree limb, European bees would never, ever, ever live there, would never build a home there, would always want to get into something or under something, but not underground. That's another thing Africanized bees are doing. About 50% of the swarms that we're removing from tree limbs now, they're building honeycomb right on the tree limb in front of God and everybody. It, it's just total sci-fi. The changes that are happening, the attacking at lower temperatures. Also, and this even back in the early 90s when I had my uh, nice uh, European bees, they became Africanized. And I used to pay a hell of a lot of attention to them. I used to love it until they started getting mean, of course. I used to watch my bees go and work on a full moon. Really? That is total sci-fi for anybody who knows anything That's about bees. That's crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. Nothing can stop these damn things. It, it, it is horrifying, actually. And it's so weird that after 30 years of doing this down here in Cochise County, that now it's pertinent in the rest of the damn country. It's kind of too bad. 
I mean, I'm glad I can educate people and tell them about it and talk to them about it, but it's kind of too bad. It is. It's sad in a lot of ways. Now, I see you train yeah. uh, like fire department personnel in this, don't you? To teach them how to handle this. Yes, absolutely. I actually uh, teach for the state for licensing, continuing education, um, uh, fire departments, uh, you know, search and rescue. We rescue the fire department from these things. We rescue hospitals, police departments, homeland security down here in this neck of the woods. Um, they, yeah, the fire departments, they don't want anything to do with them. I, I get calls uh, from them frequently, of course. Uh, and the usual conversation will be from a fire department will be, we have a stinging incident or a B incident. And I'll say, okay, give me the address and contact name and phone number. Mm -hmm. And he said, no, it's at the station. And I went, oh, fuck. what? At the station? What the hell? I said, is everybody okay? He said, no, the firemen all got stung up. They're hiding behind the fire truck waiting for you. And so, of course, I put on my cape and the tights and, you know, all that kind of shit and went off and, uh, you know, but it happens more and frequently. It's incredible how aggressive they're getting down here in the desert southwest. Now, I saw the other night uh, you did that historical building because they wanted it cleared. Um, is there a way to totally get them out of a building or, or are they going to come back? Well, that is a real problem. And this is why I guarantee every removal for two years in that location. And the reason is wherever they have landed, whether it's for uh, 10 minutes, 10 months, 10 years, longer it is, the worse, of course. But wherever they build the cone and attach it to the wood, concrete, metal, whatever, literally whatever, it leaves pheromones, other pheromones okay. that smell really good and will soak into the wood or whatever they're attached to that will smell good to future swarms flying by. And so it will attract new swarms into the future. This is a great question, actually. And uh, so I have tricks up my sleeve, as you've seen. You can see them all when you watch us do the live streams or the uh, vids. Uh, tricks up my sleeve to make sure that they don't come back. It's a multifaceted affair. We're there to mitigate the threat for sure and make sure that new ones don't come back because they sure as shit will, especially if there's some way that we cannot remove the comb. Then it's like a fish department. Us, I'm sure it's the ugliest damn apartment in the world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's, it's interesting to me. And and people just aren't, I mean, it's, it's horrible to say, but people just aren't prepared for this stuff at all. Oh, absolutely not. And in denial. Total denial about it. Oh, they can't live here. Oh, my God, the grief we catch. Oh, from beekeepers especially. We we unfortunately have to block people all the time, especially when we're doing live streams on, on TikTok because Mm -hmm. Oh, my God, people will try to take over and just in denial, not looking at the actual facts of, yes, they can live where it's cold. Uh, yes, they are in all the lower 48 states. Just all these things that are just the truth. I don't care one way or the other. It's just the way it is. And so uh, there's a lot of romance and a lot of defending. I, I like How I think of it is all these people are defending the enemy. Where was it just it's a weird recently? Way to look at. Yeah, what state was it just recently that guy was trimming the tree? Uh, Texas. Okay. Oh, no. Well, there was one in Texas and then one in Ohio. In That's the um, one. Tyler, Ohio. Yep, Tyler, Ohio. Um, and the guy, 20 year old kid. And this is only a month or so ago. I did a live uh, free live interview with News Nation, you know, that, uh, that you know, news uh, outlet. Yeah. And, uh, 
he was 20 years old up on a ladder with his harness and trees and uh, got into him, got in an African ice hive. The initial reports were he got stung 20,000 times. Uh, it's possible, but it didn't happen because he wouldn't live. I mean, but I can't believe he did live because they they down they lowered that down to about 4,000. 4,000 stings, for God's sake. Are you kidding me? I get stung four times and I cry like a little girl. It's like, what the hell? So he they had a photo of him uh, in the hospital. He lived. Bless his socks. My God, I don't know how the hell that happened. 4,000 stings and he lived. That is how they don't let up. They don't care if you're dead or not. We had a stinging incident up here at Sunsites about a month ago, a father-son team. They were trying to tear down a building with a great big old track hole. They got into a hive. When the EMTs got there, the uh, and this is very rural, out on a ranch, when the EMTs got there, the son had 300 stings. And now he lived, but the dad was on the ground, unresponsive, so covered in bees, you couldn't see any skin. And the EMTs were superheroes on this. They they got on their turnouts and the nets that they had, they don't have bee, bee nets, but they had nets, and they loaded up the syringes in the truck, ran out, jabbed him in the ass twice, and ran back in to the truck. Saved mm-hmm. his life. So then the sheriff was up. I'm talking about getting stung by bees. Notice it's psychosomatic. Getting stuck in the end of the nose. I hate that. Anyway, uh, so the sheriff shows up. Deputies show up with a couple of fire extinguishers mm-hmm. and blaze the trail for him. They got the guy in the ambulance. Everybody in the ambulance got stung. Took him to Wilcox Hospital. Everybody in the hospital got him. Helicopter came, took him to Tucson. Everybody in the helicopter got stung. Uh, it's just a nightmare, just an abject nightmare. And in the last six weeks down here, they have sent 26 people to the hospital just in this county. The average wow. number of killer bee hive removals in Tucson every year, 10,000. Wow. Wow. Well, I was just doing the math on the guy in Ohio, and the with the, with the amount of stings that he did that he got, that's equivalent to eight rattlesnake bites. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> I have no idea how he lived. I I want I want a transfusion from that. He's he's like Superman. I don't know how the hell that's, that's like eight full on snake bites. It's crazy. That's incredible. Crazy. Yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to spread. It's fear just out the left. Amongst the masses or anything, but these things are out there. I mean, they, they do exist, and you know, facts, our, I mean, are our facts fears? Mm-hmm. No, they are not. Yeah, you know, the truth is not fear. The truth is just the truth. It has no no emotions. It has no politics. It has no religion. It has none. It's just it is. Now, do you know of, of of the different states now, or any states that that you've been in touch with or, or have contact with? where they're actually like training people to deal with these things or, or is everybody going to be blind over all this? It pretty much everyone's blind. Um, a lot of uh, exterminators watch my videos for training uh-huh. uh, because as you know, we educate the living hell out of everyone. Right. All right. I, I can't be in a million places at once. Uh-huh. And so we educate as many people as we can. Um, there is uh, states have even stopped genetic testing. No one does that anymore. Arizona used to do it. Texas used to do it. I believe even Florida was doing it, but no one does anymore. And uh, here in the desert Southwest, we live with them. It's just another thing we have to live with. In fact, in the late nineties, 
See, I used to send, now this is before the History Channel show, I used to send samples, and it wasn't just me. When they first started coming into Arizona, beekeepers, exterminators, and also the Department of Agriculture employed people go around and get uh, swarms, test, send thousands of samples back to laboratories in Tucson for testing a percentage of Africanization. And in about the late 90s, they called everybody up, including me, and said, don't send anymore. It's over. Don't send them. You're going to get charged now. <laughs> for testing. And it was like, oh, screw that. I don't give a shit. You know, it's like, they're mean. I don't care. I don't fuck that. And so, uh, but no one is doing that now uh, that I know of in any of the lower 48 states. It's just one more thing that we have to live with. But also, a lot of people are in denial about it. There's no doubt about it. If, when you see the maps, go ahead and Google it. All those maps are 10 to 15 years old. They'll show a line through the middle of the country. They can't go north of here. Bullshit. They already are north of there. So those maps, and the reason those maps are so old, because the universities and the governments stopped producing them. Uh -huh. It's like they're here. So they're, they're old maps because no one's producing them. And so it's pretty much just a done deal. And we have this a lot. People will, will say, well, you look at this map, and they'll send me the damn map. I've seen it a million times from 1985 or some damn thing. You know, right. 14, it's just stupid. And not to tell them, do you see the date on that map? You know, it's like, don't trust that. That's just that's nonsense. So uh, no one's doing any testing uh, and no one's doing any training that I know about. Uh, beekeepers, now with the training in the state of Arizona, yes, we do have uh, training for sure with the program that I put together with Mobile Training Solutions Tucson. Mm -hmm. Oh, here comes Hosh. We're on the same time zone as Arizona. I mean, as California. California, Arizona, same time. Oh, yeah, so I'm talking to Charlotte. Host just walked in uh, from a soccer game with his son. Host is right hand man, and uh, <laughs> we we were on schedule to be here now, but we've been here for an hour. <laughs> All right. Well, do we want to live stream still? Or? Well, we're. I mean, how much more time do we have, Charlotte? Another half hour. Do you want to live stream? Oh, good lord. Well, yeah. You want to grab the mics? Oh, cool. All right. Well, here's the flashlight. Whatever you, Say it again? Whatever you guys want to do, I'm fine with it. Oh, yeah. What the heck? Yeah. We were, I, for, well, the time zone thing and the time change, right? Arizona doesn't change time. It happens. It always screws me up. It, oh, my God. And so now we're on the same time as California. <laughs> and, oh, I don't know what the hell. Anyway, it's <laughs> so... So while we've been having a blast here, Hoach has been at a uh, soccer game for his son. He said, I'll be there at 7.30 and we'll start. Well, here we are. So <laughs> we're going to. Hey, I, I'm interviewing people. Yeah, oh, yeah. I've been trying to figure all that out. I got time changes all the time going through my head. Oh, my God. Yeah, and you're dealing with people all over the country. Yeah, yeah of course. all over the world and stuff. So you do collect honey, yeah. right? When you go out to these these, these sites, yeah. times when, when you do collect the honey, how, how does that work? Well, these bees are so prolific. They are incredibly prolific. That was, the, like we said before, two primary reasons they were brought over and spread to begin with. Mm -hmm. Disease-resistant, tough as nails, and make up to twice as much honey. So, like I was saying earlier, I'd get calls from ranchers or cowboys and say, you know, those bees been in that shed for 60 years, and now they're stinging the horses and cows and me, and what the hell? And I go open up a wall, there'd be 500 pounds of honeycomb in there. I went, duh. And so now we take the money and the honey. In a normal year, we get over two ton 
of honey that we get paid to remove. Wow. It's awesome. Yeah. So I'm not double dipping, triple dipping. Mm -hmm. So and then we're gonna try. Yeah. Oh, look, it's, yeah. Go ahead. Now that bee, that bee on there was added. <laughs> the bees didn't do that for me. <laughs> that was that bee was added as an after because it's like okay here in Bisbee we have a hill that's called Bee Hill, uh -huh. and because Bisbee right now you right. know down here in the desert southwest there's a, you know like Douglas has a big bee it's all lit up on their mountain and all this shit and so we have a bee and so when we did this removal. Uh, Trez, who was working for me at the time, said, well, that, that looks like B Hill. And I said, well, shit, superimpose a B on there. Well, the letter B came up, and here we are. We have B Hill. Wow. It's just wow. awesome. It's, yeah, yeah. It's just, and, yeah, but you can see how absolutely beautiful these uh, hives are. And that is all natural construction, of course. Now, that's upside down because we they build uh, down from whatever they're attached to, but that's flipped over. So, you know, we took the piece of wood off and I flipped it over to look at it and it held its integrity and you could see that and it was just like, oh, this is beautiful. Take a shot of that shit right there. And so that was how that came up. Now, the honey that we get, that it's not always, you know, people always ask, my God, do you get 100 pounds out of every hive that you get? No, absolutely not. Um, there are three sections to the comb. There's where they raise the babies. Now, that's called the brood comb, and that's larvae, which we don't really care about. It's protein, and in some countries, it's a uh, delicacy. Well, not to my liking, thank you. And there's no way, I, there's no market for it here, et cetera. And I have eaten it. I think that tequila was involved or whiskey, <laughs> but it, I still didn't like it. So um, I, don't, I don't, it's useless to us, in other words. Then there's the honey and the pollen sections to the comb. Now, of course, that's what we're after, is the honey and pollen section. And so, yeah, let me know when we're up, Hosh, and we'll, uh, yeah, get some, get some get some live streaming going here. So uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll get a few of our own on here, huh? And uh, as Charlotte knows, we have a pretty good following on TikTok and YouTube. It'll be fun. It'll be great. And Hosh can throw some. You know what we can do? We can double, we can tag team at Charlotte. Host can throw us questions too from our comment, from our, uh, our, our yeah. people. Anyway, go. the third part is, is where they raise, is where they have, you know, the honey. And the honey is what we're after. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And you don't, that's why you don't use chemicals at all. But some, well, yeah, if, if, if we can get away with it, uh, it, you know, we're there to mitigate threat first. Right. Right. And so uh, that, that's where the spray adhesive came in, that, that to the non-toxic spray to mitigate the threat. So we can go to work, cut the floor of the shed up, take out the wall, cut out the ceiling, whatever needs to be done, dig, dig out, dig the hole in the dirt to get the, you know, wherever they are. And we got to mitigate the threat, make it safe, not only for those around us, any animals we're in a neighborhood, uh, but us also. So we don't get killed because you've seen how nasty it can get. Uh -huh. um, so I, um, the thing that really scares me is doing this in urban areas. And like we, you, like you said before, it doesn't seem to make any difference from suburban to urban areas. Uh, rural uh -huh. doesn't make any difference. They don't care where they live. They don't give a shit. But it makes me a lot more nervous. And I do not hesitate to work with the sheriff, police, fire department to have them out to stand guard to keep looky-loose away. Because... Uh -huh. <laughs> Eh, yeah. It never ceases to amaze me. We'll have our bee suits on, have the fire department out, the police department, have 
caution tape up or police tape, which we carry on the truck at all times. And sure, shit, somebody's going to walk under that tape and go, oh, what are you doing? You know, get the hell out of here. It just happens every time. Drives me nuts. So in, uh, you know, areas where there are neighborhoods and people, scares the living hell out of me. That's what it does. It all boils down. Which, of course, it should. Well, it should. And it all boils down to education. There's not enough education out about these things. You are so absolutely correct, Charlotte. It, it really, there is not, and that's what we're trying to do. And as you know, we get beat down a lot by uh, beekeepers and by, uh, you know, naysayers and whatnot. Now, because a lot of people that are understanding what's going on and thanking us now for bringing this to light before mm -hmm. any more people get killed. Of course, unfortunately, people are going to get killed. It's just the way it is. But if we can educate people, if you have a feral hive under your shed anywhere mm -hmm. in the the country anymore well uh the hunting's over okay mm -hmm. even if they are european bees they are lowering the property of your value of uh, the value of your property because it's an infestation they are not they can build hundreds of pounds and comb of comb in your wall or ceiling that's gonna have to be removed at some point and so may as well nip it in the bud they don't need to live in your damn house <laughs> you know there's plenty of places elsewhere for them to live. But it's like you say. Oh, setting it up. We're going to be live. But Go ahead. It's like you say, because, because the pheromones there, they're going to come back at some point anyway. Yeah, you've got to, um, it, it, when you're when you're having bees removed, uh, you got to get a guarantee on it. These are not ants and termites. All right. You got to get a guarantee on it because of that. Like we were saying, the pheromones that, they leave that soak into the country. It's a huge temptation. It's just like when you're selling a house and you you know bake bread in the oven to sell the house. And yeah, right. It smells good. Same thing with a beehive. That the beehive is one of the best smelling things in the universe. One of my favorite smellings in the universe. It just is so rich. You know, in in um, I believe it's in Japan. They actually have a saw uh, like salons where you go and you sit down in a very comfortable chair and they have a breathing tube that goes to a beehive. Did you know this? It goes to a beehive wow. and with a screen on it, of course. And you can sit there during your lunch break or whatever and breathe the air from a beehive. Wow. Is that awesome or what? That's crazy. Is that just totally weird? I keep looking over to, I keep looking over to Osher. He's getting the uh, the live stream going with uh, TikTok and YouTube here. So I'll be saying hi to the, oh, those folks in a minute here. But hey. yeah, you can actually breathe the smell of a, uh, of, of a beehive, the aroma and the, the therapy, of course, right? Well, right. pretty nice if they're not trying to kill you. That's right? correct. Yeah, that's, that's we're on. Oh. cool. Wow. Hey, we're on TikTok. We're on TikTok Live and, uh, and we're, we're capturing for YouTube. Awesome. Uh, so to all of our... Uh, we're live on YouTube, too. Oh, we're live on YouTube. Okay. Hey, we're live everywhere, Charlotte. We're going out, boy. That's awesome. Yeah, right we're, we're here. Hey, it's Reed Booth, Killer Bee Guy, of course, everyone. We're here. You can see we're on uh, Charlotte's California Haunts video. She's uh, up in Sacramento, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right on. And uh, this is a weekly show that you do, correct? I do it nightly. Six days a week. No, nightly. Oh. Yeah. Good Lord, you are. Oh, my God. She's lucky. Wow. Well, good on you. Congrats. Well, Charlotte was nice enough to 
to have to invite us to, for, to be here for a little bit with her and talk about Killer Bees. Uh, Killer Bee Nation out there in TikTok land and YouTube. Um, yeah, we're going to give you a few minutes. We're going to keep t- talking to Charlotte for a while about these things. But as everyone knows, I can go on for hours about these damn things. So do your people have any questions or do you have any questions, Charlotte? There's a question in the chat room. What is one of the worst cases that you've ever gone to? Boy, oh boy. Uh, you know, what's interesting is uh, one of the worst things, one of the worst stinging incidents in the world to this day happened in Bisbee. Go figure. It was in 1998. And the guy had some bees in a wall. He knew they had been there forever. And he sprayed a little raid in the hole. Well, he didn't know about Africanization or anything. And he didn't even get stung. They started boiling up. He just went back into his house. Then he started hearing the screams. 18 people stung, seven or eight people in the hospital, killed a dog on the spot. Uh, By the time I got there, the police and fire department were in the hospital. I mean, in the hospital. And it was like a war zone. And it was so surreal because there were cars parked every which direction, doors open, uh, blouses and shoes and purses and socks on the road. It was like a war zone with no one around. Totally silent except for the angry bang of these damn bees and so we they stayed angry as in bouncing off the windshield angry for two weeks after that and that is what these africanized bees will do so to this day that is the worst incident that i know of but not the worst for me of course and i have to admit in the 30 years that i've been doing this i have had uh some hellacious experiences of course dangling off of the cliffs on ropes, um, squeezing into areas this this tight where I had to be lowered down eight feet. And I had uh, Big Frank used to work for me at that time. I had a rope tied around my ankle and he had to drag me out of there. And I've been in some hairy damn stuff for sure. But I got to admit, this summer has been really something we have seen. Uh, we put one up, a vid up recently, and we on TikTok, it's called Send in the Clowns. <laughs> and uh, absolutely insane bees. All we did was put the scaffolding up. We didn't even, we didn't even touch the damn thing, and they totally went off the chain. On YouTube, it's called um, uh, "Worst Bees Ever." Period. <laughs> and so, it, it, this summer's been really scary. It's been really off the chain. It's been downright scary. Yeah, you'll appreciate this comment. Sounds more like see. Sounds more like he's exercised demon bees. <laughs> <laughs> demon bees. Oh, my God. Be out in the name of yes. And <laughs> what you, you know what? We're putting the bee back in. We're putting the bee back in Beelzebub. <laughs> there you go. I That's a great comment. Thank you. I'll remember that one. Yeah. <laughs> they, they don't call me Father Reed for nothing. Now, you've been stung a lot, haven't, haven't you, doing this? Is it that obvious? No, anyway. Um, yes, I've been been stung thousands of times, just not all at once. Okay. Right? right. So when we when we get stung normally, as everybody in TikTok land and, and knows, it's through the suit. Now you can get stung through the suit if your suit gets too close to your skin, whether it's rain or sweat or honey dripping, something like that. And then they can sting through it. But we call those damn it stings because we move automatically, of course, and it pulls the stinger out. 
right? right. Now, a stinger is like a hypodermic needle. It is literally like a hypo. And if you watch a stinger, when they sting you, the bee, of course, involves itself and dies, goes away and dies. That There are two venom sacs on top of that stinger that will pump venom into you for up to five minutes autonomously without the bee. So if you up to five minutes. So when we move, it pulls the stinger out immediately and we get a minute amount of venom. Now, minute amount of venom is actually very beneficial for your immune system. They've isolated the proteins in the venom that cures arthritis. You've probably heard about multiple sclerosis, et cetera, et cetera. Um, too much of a good thing? Not so good. It's going to kill you. <laughs> so when we get stung, it's through the suit. And this is also why we say you have to scrape the stinger off. Do not pinch it. If you pinch it, it's a hypo. You get a full dose. Don't do it. Scrape it out. And as quickly as possible so you get less venom. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, we get stung through the suit normally or when we're out. It's been a long day and we've done a bunch of removals and we're all tired and pissed off and through it. And we start taking the nets off too soon. <laughs> and then yeah, if you ever see me throw the net on real quickly, it's like, oh, shit. All right, I got a little jump in the gun there. Cowboy ended up, you know. Well, you were we talking uh, on, on one of your lives about... What to do if, if yeah, you, about what? you were talking about what to do if there is a swarm chasing you to go inside the house right away. Yes. Yeah, literally go inside. And this is what I teach when I teach search and rescue, um, et cetera, et cetera, is uh, cover your head and head for cover. That's all you can really do. Uh, do not jump into water. Of course, we discussed that about 95% for those of you joining us, about 95% of people that jump into water die, drown. Because every time you come up to breathe, they sting you. They go for the CO2 coming out of your nose and mouth. You try to swim underwater, you're gonna bubbles are gonna escape. They follow the trail. Unbelievable. So if you're out on a horse, get down off that horse. We always recommend. I don't care how well you know that horse. If that horse gets stung, it's gonna throw your ass. And if you're laying there with a broken hip, you're gonna die. So the horse can outrun them. And the horse is normally the first one to get stung. And so get down off the horse, let the horse run. Uh, most horses that get attacked by uh, Africanized bees die from heart attacks, secondary. But still, it's because of the damn bees, right? Okay, if you're hiking, this is a real problem because they attack and kill. They attack hikers a lot uh, all over the country now, actually. So if you get attacked, turn around and go back the way you came as quick as you can. Do not. You know the old days, Grandma said, stand so well the angry bee buzzes around you, it'll go away. Those days are over. Hell no. You get the hell out. You turn around, go back the way you came as fast as you can. None of that zigzag bullshit. You know, they always said run zigzag. No, mm -hmm. these bees line a straight line. They're too far for that shit. They're going to nail your ass. Now, if you get, if they bounce off of you, all right, this is a real issue. People have been talking about this forever. Is that a missed, is that a warning shot? Are they being nice and telling you to go away? No, not with Africanized bees. It's a missed shot. They meant to get you. Hmm. And so, and even, if it is a missed shot, if they just bounce off of you, and this happens to Hosh and I all the time, it can. if that stinger scrapes you, it's like a paper cut with battery acid because there's venom in it. And you are then targeted. So if you get bounced on, get out of there, cover your head, head for cover, get into a vehicle or a building if you can. Other than that, you gotta, you got to hightail it back down the trail the way you came. You're not going to win. You can't fight them. 
And what was the thing about the windows you were talking about where the, they will they will try to get out once you're in a building, right? Yes, a, a very interesting thing. When, um, okay, when bees get into a room, whether that's a, a building or a, a vehicle, instinctually, they know they have to get out. They navigate by light. So they go to the windows during the day and a light bulb at night. Now, when we are under attack, and you'll see it in our vids all the time, it happens. I'm getting in the truck. Either that I have heat exhaustion. I've had heat exhaustion way too many times. And once you've had it, it gets worse every damn time. And so I, you guys have seen me go for the truck all the time. I'm going to sit in the air, let Hosh answer some questions. <laughs> and so, uh, I'll, but the other thing is, I got B inside my net, or I got bees, plural, inside my net. Well, there is no macho shit with this. You get in the truck right now. And so we get in, even 500 bees, angry bees, turn on the air, sit with the windows up, because they're not going to be, you don't roll the window down to let them go up. The more are going to come in. And uh -huh. so let the air do its work. They will go to the windows. And then if we need to take a drill, we unzip as quickly as possible. And I'll sneak one in, take a Benadryl, sip of water, and, uh, and then zip back up, take back up as everybody has seen us do, and get back to work. So uh, they go to the windows during a day and a light bulb at night. And that, yeah, that is correct. Yeah. Now, I think, I, does, does your website have have the picture of Hosh? Where his lips like out to here? Well, Hosh is right. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Anyway, I got to show you guys. This is one of the other bosses. Hi, what are you doing, my dog? Anyway, <laughs> they, yeah, these guys, I know. They're kitty cats, for God's sake. Go on. It's okay. Um, so Hosh, <laughs> Hosh got stung. Uh, in the upper lip a couple of weeks ago, something like that. And uh, I don't have the video up right now here, but he, uh, it's, <laughs> he made a masterful TikTok video of it, music and everything. And so he got stuck. It was here at the ranch at the commercial kitchen. He was eating honeycomb. And a bee just flew in from nowhere and didn't, not even aggressive, and landed in the mustache and bam, just trying to get out, nailed it. So he comes up and he goes, yeah, I got stung in the upper lip. And I could tell it was out a little bit already. And I thought, oh, God, here we go. And then a few minutes later, it was out a little bit more. And Hosh said, get the camera. <laughs> and pretty soon he was like, is it that far out? Is it out there? And oh, my God, we did a live stream for about 20 or 30 minutes of that. Mainly me laughing my ass off and him going, oh, it's not too bad. And of course, the comments from people were like, "Do the lower one." That's Betox. That was just stupid. It was so much. It was, so yeah, don't try this at home. Yeah, you guys got to see that video. Hosh was such a uh, such a trooper about it. Oh my god, we have way too much fun doing this shit. Don't you think? Yeah, Hosh is nodding over there. <laughs> Here's a so, question. Um, yeah, does yeah, does Reed, does Reed know Leo the Bee Guy in Missouri? Will the Bee Guy? Leo the bee uh, guy. No, I don't know. Take... Leo? Yeah. I don't think so. I mean, there's JP. There's JP the bee man. There's um, there's a bunch of them, and there's more now coming up, of course. Um, uh, you know, beekeepers doing um, TikTok and YouTube. Excellent. I'm glad about it, except that they're usually, you know, pretty pro-bee and save bees and all that BS. Mm -hmm. uh, we're, you know... Uh, as they encounter more and more Africanized hives, of course, that's going to change. It has to, otherwise you're going to die. You know, mm -hmm. the old days of going in 
with uh with just a net a t-shirt and no gloves are pretty much it for me i wouldn't care where i was in the country that would be over that's bullshit that was how that beekeeper in connecticut died he had two hives put on a net t-shirt no gloves just like i used to when i check one of his hives you can't tell by looking at them if they're africanized or not he popped the top board on one of them didn't make it back to the truck got killed so yeah it's uh, I don't know about that particular guy out there, but there's a lot more coming on, and I really think it's awesome. Educate people about bees, for sure, but we need to educate them about what we're talking about right now, Charlotte. That's for sure. You know, I, 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 now listening to you, I realize how lucky I was because uh, on an assignment for a newspaper that I work for, they sent me out to a beekeeper, and I tend to dress in black, which is stupid <laughs> to begin with. Any <laughs> different. I'm out there. No... No, you know, no net on my face. I'm out there taking photos oh with all these bees landing on me and all this. So I was real lucky I didn't get stung, but I'm also real lucky I didn't run in any um, Africanized. That is correct. That is correct. Um, beekeepers, the commercial guys, the big guys, they are professionals. They know what the hell they're doing. It's mainly the hobbyists that worry us uh, because, like I was saying before, you can't tell by looking if you're hive has become Africanized. You can't tell by looking at it. They look the same. Uh, you, you can't tell until you pop that top board, or sometimes you get within 20 feet. You can't tell. Uh, they will attack. I had, I had uh, Africanized hives in the 90s when I still had hives. They would attack from 100 feet out. For I couldn't sneak up on the damn things. I would try actually crawling on my belly to sneak up on them. But this, uh, they send out scouts all the time, and the guard bees are always on high alert. And it's just a royal, you know, pain in the ass. So, yeah. actually, I'm going to ask Kosh if we have any questions from our TikTok people here. One question was about delayed reaction, and is that exclusively with the Africanized bees? Oh, now, interesting thing, in case you guys couldn't hear this, it's about the delayed reaction that we're seeing from venom and envenomation. Uh, when you get stung a bunch of times, uh, and this is really something that we never used to see with European bees, but then again, we didn't see mass stinging incidents with European bees either, right? We didn't see people getting stung or the numbers of people getting stung. In Cody's County, every single day in the summer, summer, people get stung. They may not get sent to the hospital. And so what we're seeing is, and I've gotten calls from ranchers and cowboys and whatnot, to say, you know, I got stung four or five days ago and it swelled up a little bit and it's gone. it was gone. And I felt fine, and now I'm in the hospital. What the hell happened? Now, we never used to see it, I think, with your because technically the venom's the same, European or Africanized. Technically, the venom's the same. And so we never used to see a lot of things with European bees as far as envenomation goes, because nobody got envenomated. People didn't get stung up like they do now. Now, also, of course, what we're seeing is with when you get stung a bunch of times, it exacerbates existing condition. So if you had a heart condition, if you had diabetes, uh, we've even seen it with Alzheimer's and dementia. If you had any of these conditions, it gets worse when you have massive stinging. Again, minute amounts of venom are actually good for your immune system, unless you're allergic. Well, duh. But massive stinging incidents, horrible on your system. Uh, and that can take years. We just lost a rancher friend of mine out here in, in actually over in southern New Mexico, in Rodeo, New Mexico. Bill Flues passed away. 
He got stung up seven or eight years ago, got a, a massively attacked out on a bulldozer out at the ranch and went downhill. It took them that long. These bees took them eight years to kill him. Wow. It's just horrible. It exacerbated. He was a tough old man. I mean, a tough guy and uh, just a whole family. I know those guys and it breaks my heart that he, you know, that was what I was saying before, Charlotte, that these bees, it's, it's a general consensus with all the ranchers down here in southern New Mexico and southern Arizona that these are the most dangerous things we live with now. Well, I can see that, though, because, I mean, that venom gets into your bloodstream and then it gets into your tissue. And it's not only getting into your tissues, it's yep. getting into whatever other tissues you've got in your in your body, whether it's your lungs or whatever. So, yeah. I, I, no, I, it throws everything off. Yeah. Yeah. throws everything off. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, of course, you know, there is a theory on it that, you know, um, it does have the opposite effect on some folks. You know, for instance, now I've been stung thousands of times and the handsome level is just going right through the roof. So I guess that it does have positive and negative effects. Is that right, everyone? Uh-huh. Okay, that was a joke, guys, crying out loud. Anyway, <laughs> Charlotte ain't having none of it. She's like, ah, oh, this is bullshit. Anyway, <laughs> do we have any questions out there, Hosh, on TikTok? I've lost you, yeah, I lost you enough to know. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, someone someone asked at, on TikTok, of course, how did they get here? And it was literally planes, trains, and automobiles, <laughs> along with um, along with swarming. Because when they got out of, of Brazil, and they didn't, you know, get them sick if they got out of Brazil. They spread out in every direction at about 300 miles per year. And so, you know, south and west from Brazil, not that far, really. North, holy shit, long ways to go. So they came across the Isthmus of Panama, and we tried to stop them there. But we couldn't stop them up at the Isthmus of Panama because they hitchhike. Okay? So a a swarm of bees will get onto a a plane, train, or automobile, (laughs) or a boat, and... um, uh, just go there, go somewhere, and then take off and go start a new hive. Then you have an Africanized hive in that neighborhood. That's another problem that's happening in the lower 48 states that we've been talking about for the last you know hour here. Um, so they came into Texas in about 1991, Arizona in 93. And they have been going north since then. Now, like I was telling Charlotte a little bit ago, and we all of the maps that you see out there, show them in just this wavy, nice map of the lower 48. And this blatantly, everybody says they can't live where it's cold. Well, now we know that that's bullshit. They can. And so that was how they got here, um, was primarily by swarming and just spreading out at about 300 miles a year. And they're adapting them, though. That's why they can live where it's cold now. They're really mm-hmm. tough as nails. They're, they're really something. They're really something. Do your folks have any questions, Charlotte? Another question. If I if I think I have a hive in my yard, what should I do? Call someone. Do not go near it. Uh, I don't care which state you're in in the country anymore, lower 48. The problem is you don't know if they're Africanized. Like that guy in Ohio, you know, the young guy we were talking about a minute ago, 20 years old, up trimming a tree. Um and got into them, got stung 4,000 times. It's like playing Russian roulette. Do you want to risk it? If you have right. hive in, under your shed, if you have a, a hive in your yard, with two things you got to watch out for, everybody. Ball of bees hanging in a tree. Once again, used to be the most benign thing in the world, never hurt anybody. 
Now they're being aggressive here in the desert southwest for sure. Killed a good friend of mine, Dan Oldfield, two years ago right here in Bisbee. Broke my heart. Uh, just uh, just ridiculous. So a bull bee's hanging in a tree. Call a beekeeper um, or an exterminator. Now, a beekeeper's going to come and relocate them. Honestly, for us, it's like taking a landmine from your yard and putting it in someone else's. Uh-huh. We don't do it. We don't relocate and we don't requeen. We've talked about that a little bit. Um, the worst thing in the rest of the country, anyways, is if you see bees coming and going from a crack or a hole or your barbecue or an old tire or wherever you see bees coming and going, and people ask me this all the time. They say, well, there can't be too many. I only see a couple of dozen thinking they're going to make my job easier. No, they're going to save some money. Uh-uh, ain't going to happen. So where they're going in, that's the airport, not the city. That's the loading dock. Okay, an average hive has 50,000 little bastards in it. So if you have, those are the two things to watch for. And that was a great question that one of your listeners had there, Charlotte. If you have a hive on your property, get rid of it. Liability. All right. If it is a European hive and uh, a kid throws a rock at them or steps on them by accident that is allergic and dies, you're going to be liable. A lot of things. People don't ever think about that. Now, with the African hive, there's actually a law here in the state of Arizona. And you've probably heard me say this, uh, Charlotte, because Charlotte follows us a lot of our uh, live streams and whatnot. It's Arizona Revised Statute 36-601. I helped write it. Uh, if you have an unmanned barrel hive on your property, legally you have to have it removed. And that is a total liability issue. I'm also an expert witness. Every case I've ever been on, the person with bees loses. It's just so straightforward. It's cut and dried. You know, mm-hmm. you had an Africanized hive on your property under your shed, you did not have it removed. Duh. You know, so it, it's uh, it's deadly, fascinating, and weird all at the same time. How are we doing over there, Hoshi? Anybody got any questions for us? Yeah. Um, will they eventually completely replace the European bees? Here, someone on TikTok is asking, will they eventually completely replace Af- uh, European bees? And uh, we've talked about this a little bit on the show tonight. Unfortunately, yeah. I mean, look at Arizona and the desert southwest as an example, knowing that they can live where it's cold. That myth is over. They can live where it's cold, everybody. Just, just That's not an argument anymore. It's a done deal. So if you take that into account, like every there, Arizona is not sand dunes and 110 degrees all the time, okay? We, we've got mountains. We've got uh, snow. We've got, you know, Flagstaff. We've got, uh, the high, we've got places in Arizona where it gets down to 30 below all the time. These Africanized bees, if you look at what's happened in Arizona and the desert southwest, it's going to happen in the rest of the country mainly because they're already there. European Africanized hives are already in the lower 48 states, period. Just because you haven't heard about it in your neighborhood doesn't mean they're not there. Uh-huh. All right. It, you know, a lot of times, and you watch the news, and this is horrifying, people find out what's been happening next door and who's been chained in the basement, and they are totally shocked. Well, you don't know what's going on underneath your neighbor's shed either. <laughs> so... Uh, just because you haven't heard about it does not mean it's not there. They're in all the lower 48 states now. Uh, like Charlotte and I were talking earlier, they do not skip over states. They decide that Cal, you know, Northern Cal is nice, and then we don't like Oregon and right to Washington. It's like, no, that doesn't what happens, right? So they're in all the lower 48 states, and unfortunately, I do believe, and I've given it generously a 10-year span before all of the 
unmanaged feral hives in the country, in the lower 48 states, are Africanized. That's being generous. I think it's sooner than that. I really do. It all boils down to everyone. If you have a, a, a hive on your property, please call in a pro to get, get rid of it. You, you can't win if you try to do it yourself. Well, that was a question. And with European bees, if you do it yourself. Right. There's a question I have in the chat room. What's the easiest way to kill them? Uh, so you get out the thing called a phone book, and, and you look up a number of a beekeeper exterminator. This is the easiest way and the safest way to do this, everyone. So if you have a hive, don't buy this at home, dumbasses. <laughs> and like I was just saying, if it is a European hive and you get rid of them and you remove everything and you don't do it right, you're going to have new ones move in in six months. you got a reinfestation. Because wherever they believe pheromones that attract new swarms into the future. So, it, so once again, the easiest and safest way. Get out this thing called a phone book and uh, <laughs> look through it and call somebody. So just please do that. <laughs> There's no more taking out that can of wasp and bee spray. Oh, good God. Oh my. You're just ringing the doorbell. That's all you're doing, everybody. It happens every day. We get calls from people. It's like, well, should I wait till my time and get out my, my my spray can of Raid? It's like, oh, you dumbass. Okay, first of all, they don't sleep. The guard bees are always on high alert. They are always looking for a fight. And, uh, of course, people will shine a light at them. Now, this happens. They attack light at night or when it's dark. This happens. We get calls all summer long about people who say, I got bees in my attic. And I got up into the garage, and I pushed that little trap door up, and I had my ladder up there. And, boy, I shined my light on for about one second. And they came all that way across and attacked me, and I fell off the damn ladder. I've heard it too many times. So don't get out the raid, everybody, because when you spray it at the hole, wherever they're coming and going from, okay, you're ringing the doorbell, dumbass. They've got 50,000 bees in there itching for a fight. So, no, don't spray the raid in the damn thing. It's just, it's, it, it would be adorable if it wasn't so stupid. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, for Is people that, so? that, that suspect that, that, that they have a hive, like you say, to, to call somebody because um, you don't know what you're dealing with. But uh, do these bees tend to be louder than the others because, because there's more of them? Uh, just from sheer numbers, sure. Yeah, because I mean, listening to your videos and what you know, watching your videos, I mean, it's like you can really hear those suckers. Oh my god, we have people all the time uh, commenting, texting, emailing, saying, I had to rip my earbuds out because it's that insane. And of course, all that I ever do is respond much worse in person. <laughs> so, Absolutely. individually, they're not any lower. Yeah, individually, they're not any lower. You know, you get a you know, you get fifty thousand of something or three hundred thousand of something. All well, yeah, it's definitely going to sound louder. <laughs> and again, something that that struck me too. We talked about that a little uh, earlier today too. Was the fact that you know, once these bees are on attack, bees from other hives will come, even if they're from down the street, because that those it, pheromones. That is correct. Yeah, the pheromones, and like I was like we were talking before, even though every hive is an enemy of every other hive, mm -hmm. all right, the only reason that worker bees visit each other is to steal honey. They're total Vikings. They're total Vikings. Um, but the attack pheromone's the same. 
the ooga horn and the submarine, the car alarm, it's all the same. And so if you've got neighboring high, you know, like tomorrow, and I was just telling uh, Charlotte, everybody's on, on Charlotte's uh, feed here, and I'm telling you guys, because tomorrow we're going to live stream on TikTok um, up at Coach Cheese. Here we go again up around Dragoon. It seems like we've been up there a lot this summer. Oh, yeah, it's been a, a lot. Anyway, they have multiple hives in a pole barn, and we aren't quite sure of the situation. They think they're coming and going out of the post that hold up the roof 15 foot off the ground. Oh, that's going to be fun. Uh, they could be new conceals, and um, I'm not sure yet what we're getting into, but they are pretty sure there's multiple hives. Damn it, because there are horses and cows and pigs 100 yards away. And I have seen, so like we were just saying, every hive is an enemy of every other hive, but the attack pheromone's the same. So when one gets riled up, they all get riled up. And I've seen the air so saturated with attack pheromone that they're stinging birds flying overhead, telephone poles, tires on trucks, each other and us. It's total mayhem. And you can actually smell the venom. They get so angry. And if you watch our, our vids, you've seen the Charlotte, where they're actually hanging on to our nets, dripping yes. venom. Literally dripping venom. Uh, it's that vicious. So I have trepidations about multiple hives. And rightfully so. We'll find out tomorrow. We're going to go up live stream it around 10 o'clock, uh, 10 or 10.30 our time, which, by the way, is the same as California right now. Today, yes. Anyway. Remember that? <laughs> we got screwed up on it. So Charlotte texted me and said, uh, we're on. And I, I was laying on the couch watching, doing something. And I was like, you know, holy shit, let me get dressed. I, just, I forgot that the Arizona doesn't change time. So you know, we're, we're here, and I'm so glad we are. It's a ton of fun. Thank you so much for, for having us on. The other thing of the other night, too, is that people you know tend to look for hives and trees. Or, or on the side of buildings, but you're finding hives and old tires and stuff too. Yeah, correct. Yeah, absolutely. Pretty much anywhere we find them in the most unusual places. Um, of course, something that's always disappointing for me is when they're like in an old cesspool or an old septic you know, underground like that. Because, well, that honey tastes like shit anyway. You know. Uh -huh. Okay, that was funny, you guys. Come on. Anyway, uh, they will live. <laughs> They will live anywhere, literally. We've removed balls of bees from bumpers of cars that were used daily. It makes no sense. Old couches out in yards. Uh, that guy's lazy boy up in uh, Vale that we did that. He had a, he had a lazy boy out on that, on that porch. Who doesn't? And, of course, you know, a bar counter, right? And it, right. it was full of bees in the back. It was just awesome. <laughs> yeah. It, it was... They'll build anywhere. It's completely, yeah. it's completely changed from European bees, which were very picky about where they'd live. Not these guys. Right. Right, right, right. Yeah. Right. And when yeah. you go in to get um, the, the honey, you know, out of the comb, how do you go about doing that without getting all stung? Because I'm sure the minute you put your hand in there, they're about ready to, you know, come after anything that, that reaches in there. Excellent question. And uh, we will be doing some uh, live streams in the commercial kitchen, which is actually underground here at the ranch. I sunk a couple of uh, shipping containers underground, kind of survivalist, all right? And, uh, you know, I, I like things safe, really safe, really, really safe. And so um, when we get the comb, which you'll see us cut it into sections, into the tubs that we put it in, get rid of the brood comb. We do as much in the field as possible to save us 
the headache of monkeying with it more in the kitchen. So as you've seen, we put the cones, we stand them up so we can hopefully get them back to the ranch so that they will be beautiful and we cut them in little squares and sell them that way. Um, we freeze all of that. We stick it into a deep freeze because it freezes the bees, freezes everything that's in there. And then when we go to work it, we don't need to have bee suits on. We can just take a brush, brush off the dead bees, and then proceed mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, get our honey and get the get the get the comb out of it. Now, mm-hmm. what we started doing was something we call Viking honey, which is uh, I came up with this, which you cannot get from normal beekeepers because honey in normal hives. Okay, you got your bee box with your frames, and you pull the uh, frames out. There is very little or no; it's just accidental propolis or pollen in there. All right, because they are separate storage areas for the bee and different collection technique for the beekeeper, the propolis and pollen. But when you have wild comb like we do, it's all there. So we cut away the brood comb, and then it's literally a very physical hands-on operation where we literally warm, we mush up the comb, put on gloves, and mush the comb up, and put it into a double boiler, like a five-gallon bucket inside of a big-ass tub, and warm it up. Now, we don't boil it, of course. If we don't boil honey, that would be stupid. But we get it hot enough to separate it out. And it's very, we use it a, a stir. It's like a, the witch's oil, toil and trouble and all that. Right time of year for that shit, huh? And so <laughs> we mix and we mix and we, because cru- we, we have to crush it all up. So all the pollen and all the propolis gets mixed into the honey. And then we strain that a couple of times. So it's very labor intensive. And we call that Viking honey because it has all the propolis and pollen in it. And you can't even get that on our website. You actually have to call our uh, our store in Bisbee to get that. It's just so rare. It's the rarest honey in the world. So that is how we go about uh, doing this, getting the honey without getting killed on top of getting the honey without getting killed. <laughs> now, didn't you recently um, do, uh, do a job at a hospital? Yeah. Yeah, we actually did. We had to... Uh, rescue the wilcox hospital oh my god that was a fun one because we had a a couple of kids that had a, a boom truck you know a man lift because they were damn things were 35 foot up and i really had to uh assess that situation because they had to close on the entrance to the hospital this is in wilcox arizona here and uh th- th- we looked up and we thought oh shit. and i drove all the way up there thinking we were going to do the job that day it's a two-hour drive one way, right? Well, it's a big county. So we get all the way up there, and I went, no, that ain't going to happen. Fuck, I'm not getting on a ladder up there. Hell no. So we scheduled out with the, the bucket truck, the boot truck, to get us up there. And we got all the way up there, and these kids were so nice. We got them in bee suits and everything, and they were wonderful about it. And they um, got us up there. And first we thought it was going to be a new conceal, but I got to look at it, and I thought, you know what? Give me the drill. We need, we're going to, this is going to go a little bit deeper than that. This is, this is bigger than what we thought. And sure as shit, we cut out a, a square and you can see it. Um, what do we call that one? Is that up yet? I think it is. God, we do so many of these removals. I can't even keep track of it. It is up on TikTok. It's up on TikTok. Yeah, the removal. Oh, I think it's just Wilcox Hospital Bees. Wilcox Hospital Bees. Okay, very good. You can see the whole thing. Um, we get up there and we, we had to take out a piece of wood about a foot and a half by two feet solid comb in there now most of it was brood comb at that time most of it was babies 
but we removed it all and did it right. We not only mitigated the threat, we were able to do it right so that it's guaranteed so no bees will come back. But so, yeah, you're right, Charlotte. We've rescued the hospital to rescue the sheriff, the Cochi County Sheriff's Department over here in Sierra Vista a couple of months ago. They had a shed behind the um, uh, sheriff's department and it had 10 feet of comb under the floor. Holy shit. I, unbelievable. And we have a thermal imaging cam. You guys might have seen this on our on our uh, vids. Cooler than hell. I mean, it's neater than shit. We have a thermal, uh, a beehive throws a major heat signature. And it's not the honey or the comb. It's the bees. They're actually hot. They're actually really hot because they're, they eat honey. It's full of energy. And they vibrate. And they move. They have a high metabolism, these little monsters. And so we use a thermal imaging to see where the parameters of the hive is and actually where it is. And not only the parameters, but is it in the floor, ceiling, wall? Where the hell is this thing? And so it's really cool to use that. And it looks, looks cooler than hell on vid for all of you if you've seen the thermal imaging. So uh, we use that a lot in determining, uh, surveying, seeing more of the hives and figuring out where we're going to drill our holes so we can get our saws all in and take up the floor. Different tools that we use. I've seen you drill like the. Uh, oh, we got a good. Question. Oh, hold on, we got a good question here. Okay. Should the honey always be removed after the hive is eliminated to prevent future infestation? Someone asked a really good question here. Should the honeycomb always be removed to prevent future infestations? When possible, yes, absolutely. Now there are three types of removals. All right, three types. There's a ball of bees hanging in a tree, a swarm. Really straightforward for us. Do it in our sleep. No big deal. Still deadly as hell, but after 30 years, I can do it in my sleep. So that's very straightforward and about the safest removal there is. Then there's what I call a nuke and seal, which is just like it sounds. Nuke them and seal it. Now, this is when they're in, a um, say, a block wall, and uh, you, there's no reason to tear down a block wall to get honey. Because they will build in the holes, you know, the block walls have holes in them, right? In the blocks, in the cement blocks. I have seen 10-foot spans of block walls that people were tearing down that had old dead hives in them. They were full of comb. But, of course, you're not going to knock down a brick wall to get honey. It's only a mitigating the threat situation. That's all that's going on there. So, or maybe they're in a stucco wall. And it's a really nice Santa Fe-style home or something, and people don't want it torn down. Damn. Um, or it's a situation where we cannot remove the comb, then it's a nuke and seal. We still guarantee it for two years. So we nuke them, we kill them. We usually use the pyrethrin, which is a pesticide made from chrysanthemum flowers, of all things. And uh, we, I teach, I actually teach my competitors how to do this safely so they don't get someone killed. So uh, we, use, uh, we kill the hive and then seal up all the holes to prevent further infestations. If it's possible, that is the second type. Then there's the fun one, <laughs> and that's the holy shit removal. <laughs> Those are the ones you see most, mostly on our YouTube channel because how many balls of bees can you see and how many times can you watch me put an expanding foam in a hole? Apparently a lot because those videos do well. I don't know why. What is that, ASMR or whatever the hell they call that? <coughs> I think it's BMSR <laughs> or BSMR. I don't know. BSMR, that's what I mean. <laughs> So those are the ones where we get the honey out and remove all the comb and treat it uh, with pheromones, anti-pheromones, or what we, you know, tricks for our sleep. So 
to that, yes, if we can remove all the comb, we definitely do, if we can. Good question. That's a great question. Great question. Yeah. So, so um, like you say, they're, they're, they're in lower 48 states. I mean, it's obvious that they're, they're, they're a lot further. Are there any in Europe at all? No, we have not had any reports at all in, in Europe. Um, although one, we did a live stream the other day, and somebody had a great comment said, just a shipping container away. Yeah. Oh, shit. You know, uh, is it a matter of time? I'm not going to venture that. I mean, I don't, I don't want to make any enemies in, in England right now. We need all those views we can get. Right. <laughs> oh, you know, it's like. Uh, but oh, that viewer that said that just a shipping container away, so unfortunately, damn right, because they hitchhike. So, this crossbreed of European with African has created a Frankenbee literally, a Frankenbee. And they can live through anything, they can survive wherever European bees can survive. These guys thrive where they survive, these guys thrive, and that's in all the lower 48 states now. And Alberta, they found a swarm of genetically Africanized bees in Alberta. We had that comment from that guy, uh, Billings, Montana. He came on while we were doing a Q&A the other day. Yep, they're here. You know, Illinois, they've been found in Madison. They don't skip over states, everybody. They can live where it's cold. Get it through your thick skulls. Damn it. Oh, Hosh has a good one here for us. So... How do they survive where it's cold? Okay, well, great question. Uh, actually, a really good question. Someone on uh, TikTok asked, how do they survive where it's cold? That's really a, a, a good question. The, you know, not just the fact that they can, but how the hell do they? Now, of course, um, just because they're African eyes does not mean they're, they're tropical. In fact, they came from South Africa and actually uh, the savannas of Eastern, uh, Southern Africa. Totally different climate, not tropical at all. All right. Also, how do they survive where it's cold? Such a great question. They were bred to not only be more disease resistant and tougher than European bees, but also to make twice as much honey. Now, the African bee was known to be an excellent producer of honey and disease resistant, whereas the European bee is sickly and not as good a producer. The crossbreed is a holy shit bee is what it is. So they make up to twice as much honey. Honey is their stores. That's their pantry to survive during hard times, cold times. If you have twice as much honey in a hive, they can survive twice as long if it's 10 below out as a European hive. Is that making sense to everybody? They, can, they were bred to do this. And that's why I say... That's why I say with European bees, they survive. With Africanized bees, thrive. Wherever European bees can survive, these guys can thrive. So that's how, it's a great question. How can they live where it's colder? They don't get sick, and they have twice as much to eat for the winter. There's so much honey. So that was that's really a good question. That was a really good one. Can you talk about how they create heat? Oh, and how they create heat. Yeah, was, yeah we were talking about that earlier where if it's five below outside, get this, five below Fahrenheit, everybody, these bees are so amazing. They will ball up in the middle of the hive, and by eating honey, which is pure energy, of course, and vibrating, and then rotating from the center out, kind of like the penguin thing, right? You know what I mean? 
Um, they can put a 68 degrees in there. Isn't that amazing? That's crazy. Yeah, it's just, it's just crazy. So they can survive colder temperatures for a multitude of reasons, and uh, that, that's another one of them. They're they're, they're aside every day, every day. Even after 30 years of doing this, I still every day just shake my head. It's like, what the hell? Uh -huh. You know what? What next? And that's why we started live streaming our removals on on TikTok, and uh, we're hopefully starting to uh, live stream on uh, YouTube shortly here. Uh, we got to get another camera, actually. You guys buy some honey. Daddy needs a new bee suit. Anyway, he <laughs> uh, needs a new camera, actually. <laughs> but um, uh, we live stream to show people in the rest of the country. We're the only ones doing this, live streaming this shit, right? Uh -huh. And to show people, coming to a neighborhood near you. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's just the way it is. Do you think that... Um... People will take this as, as as you trying to spread panic over these bees, or, or or do you think that they're taking you seriously? You know, I like we said before, is the truth panic? No, it's just the truth. Although we do get blamed for this a lot, mainly from naysayers that say they can't live where it's cold. Okay, they can. It, that's been debunked, right? Right, right. right. Um, we're not trying to. We're not trying to panic anyone about anything. We're trying to educate people about just what the truth is, about what's actually happening, period. And isn't it better to be um, aware and be a little bit prepared for something that's coming your way than to stick your head in the sand, uh -huh. right? You know, to pull over your own eyes. There's no reason to. Um, Hosh, we had another question? Uh, yeah, actually. For years, the news has reported on a decline in the, in the honeybee population. This is very interesting. It's something I think that every one will find interesting. For years, the news has reported on the decline in honeybee population. Right? Interesting point. Interesting subject here. Now that was the European bees. Now this is why the Af this is why this crossbreed was made. People, as far as honeybees are sickly. And every 20 to 25 years, something comes along that wipes out 80% of the European honeybees. This is why these guys were bred, the Africanized. So in the 70s, it was a varroa mite. In the uh, 90s, it was a tracheal mite. Lately, something like that. It was a colony collapse, right? You know, the colony collapse disorder that happened, wiped out 80% of the honeybees. Well, that happened 25 years ago, and it happened 25 years before that for different reasons, and everybody forgets. And so it makes big news, sensationalism. Oh, we're going to die without the honeybees. We know that's bullshit. We talked about that a minute ago. All right. So the Africanized bee is unaffected by all of these diseases, including colony collapse. They're unbelievably tough. So... Yes, we did hear about the decline of honeybees because it was great news and sensationalism and it had happened a hundred times before and everybody forgot. Whoop-de-ding-dang-doodle. And of course, it sounds great. We're going to die without honeybees. That's bullshit. People lived in the Western Hemisphere without honeybees for eons. They were brought here by the Europeans. Who was it? Vikings? Who gives a shit? But that map, we've got to find that map and put that up. Remember I was telling you, Charlotte, earlier about that map that showed the infestation of European honeybees, everybody, from east to west. So from the east coast, what was it, 1650-something or other on the east coast, when, it, when they first came in there. And then they hit the Mississippi in the 1700s sometime or something like that. 
and there were no honeybees in Arizona until the mid 1800s, everyone. Until after the Civil War. Until after the Civil War. Same with California. And same with California. There were no honeybees. No honeybees. No honeybees in California until after the Civil War. Really? So. Yeah, it's, it's, it's unnerving for most people to realize that honeybees are invasive to the Western Hemisphere, let alone Africanized. Horrible. And here's, a, here's one then. Yeah. So, should we talk about, okay, so we need honeybees to pollinate our crops. Well, people are right. People which, are, people ask just now, we need honeybees to pollinate our crops. That's true. Okay. Our, the crops that they pollinate are mostly invasive. Think about that for a minute. All right. People lived in the Western Hemisphere without honeybees for eons. Now, we need honeybees for three things in this hemisphere. There are definitely plants, European plants, need honeybees for pollination. Our native plants in the Western Hemisphere need native pollinators. We need honeybees for three things, everyone. We like honey. Oh, fucking awesome, right? Okay, secondly, we need them to pollinate our fruit trees and trees, which are mostly invasive. And third, big agriculture. Yes, we wouldn't have all of the melons and all the almonds and all the blueberries on the shelves at the stores if we did not have honeybees. It's a purely financial transaction. That's all that honeybees are. We do not need them in the Western Hemisphere. They are purely a financial business. That's it. And the big guys that haul them around, bless their socks. They do a great job of it. They're professionals and they know what they're doing. They're still invasive, but they're getting the job done. And so, yes, pollinating the crops are invasive. Okay, here we go. So if we did not have honeybees, we're, we're going to be fine. We would not die. It's a good question. Reed, I want to thank you. Are you doing over there, Shell? Yes, I absolutely. It's been so, so wonderful. It's been so fun talking to you, and I'm going to continue to follow you on your TikTok because I just find it so fascinating, you know, what you do. I'm so interested in it. No, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And, uh, you know, uh, follow us, everybody, of course. And uh, if anybody wants to get some honey and go to killerbeeguy.com, do it now. Do it in front of me. Come on. Go on. Get <laughs> Anyway. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> thank you so much, Charlotte. It's been a ton of fun. Let's do it again sometime. Absolutely. All right, Reed. And, and, again, how can people find you? They can find you at KillerBeeGuy.com, but what about TikTok and all that? Okay, on YouTube, it's KillerBeeGuy. On TikTok, it's KillerBeeGuy1, the number one. Um, and uh, uh, Instagram, KillerBeeGuy. Uh, Facebook, KillerBeeGuy. KillerBeeGuy, just KillerBeeGuy. You can call any law enforcement. You can find me right away. <laughs> Sounds good. All <laughs> right, we'll definitely have to do this again, definitely. All right. Thank you so much. Happy Halloween to you, Charlotte. Have a good one, Reed. Bye-bye. All right. That was fascinating. It's always great to talk to him. It's great to watch. If, if you guys don't have a TikTok account, this would be a good reason to get one if you want to follow Reed because, I mean, he's got some really interesting stuff over there. Honest. For everybody watching tonight, if you like the show, um, like I said, share it with five people. If you hated the show, share it with five of your enemies. We're equal opportunity here at California Haunts Radio. If you're watching from YouTube, please be sure to hit that subscribe button. I've got over 450 videos sitting over there. And uh, there's all kinds of topics, including, of course, the killer bees. All right? So check, so you can check that out and all that good stuff. Also, follow us on TikTok at California Haunts. And follow us. Uh, we're over on Twitter, uh, you know, California uh, Cal Haunts. 
And you can follow me on Instagram at ghostygal. I'm just, it's just simple, lowercase ghostygal. But I want to thank everybody for coming tonight. We ran two hours tonight, which is great. We had a lot to say. It was a, it was a, it was a cool night, very informative. Tomorrow night, uh, we're shifting gears back to ghosts. Chris, Bor Chris Boris is going to be with us. Chris Boris is known as the ghost doctor. And he's known as the ghost doctor because he has come up with a very interesting way of categorizing ghosts and hauntings. So he's going to be with us tomorrow. Now, I'm not going to be here. It's my night off. I have a meeting with some sponsors. So uh, I'm not going to be here tonight. But that will be at 6.30 p.m. on YouTube. So look for that link over on Facebook uh, for the regulars. Or, then, or go over to YouTube and check it out. But that will be 6.30 p.m. Pacific for that show. But I will be back Wednesday live. And Wednesday we are going and to give you a little taste of Wednesday. We are going to have the White Witch from Scotland on with us. And she, she gives walking tours and in ancient, ancient in, in old areas of Scotland, and she also is going to talk to us about witchcraft and things like that, and how in persecution of, of witches. Also, I think you're going to find it interesting in that during the interview, I discovered something that lines up with another interview we did recently uh, for those tour walking tours in Kentucky that the gentleman gives in a story he told about about the witch's tree because they had something similar in Scotland. So that's kind of interesting. So that's going to be Wednesday night. But for tomorrow, again, Chris Boris is going to be with us. And he's going to be talking about his unique way, the unique way he has categorized ghosts. And it's really, it's really, really, truly a cool way. And we're going to be working with him behind the scenes with, with our team, uh, California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team. We're going to be working with him to, to uh, work, you know, the, the, his system. I, I'm so impressed by it. Uh, here I am. I'm going to go ahead and uh, here I am. <laughs> I am here. I'm going to go ahead and give you uh, Killer Bee Guy's website before we go. And here it is. And that's going to be website KillerBeeGuy.com. You can buy honey there. Killer Bee honey over there. Because he does, like he says, he does extract the honey when he gets the opportunity to do so. And it's really good honey. Trust me. And uh, okay. And I will see you guys on live Wednesday. I will be on the chat, even though I'll be in a meeting. I'll, I will be looking at my phone. So if you guys do want to do a chat tomorrow night, we can do that. Uh, but I think you're going to find Chris Boris very, very, very interesting. Anyway, again, if you like the show, share it with five people. If you hated the show, share it with five of your enemies. Equal opportunity. Uh, you see that thing flashing across the bottom. That's because we do not take any money for our investigations or for the shows for that matter. And so I've got equipment costs and everything that I have to support. So if you kind of find it in your heart to help me out, that'd be great at paypal.me at California Haunts or Venmo, and then just type in California Haunts. It's that easy. All right, I will see you guys on Wednesday live. Uh, I'll probably see you online tomorrow, but I'll see you Wednesday live. Have a nice evening. Enjoy. <laughs>